uh, they're coming back. Yep, right on time. Exactly. Is he on the way to Israel? No, they were. I'll tell you later. Vav, tent peg, add, secure, hook. May your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings, and I will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands, because I love them. I lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Decrees. Okay, very nice. Very nice. How are we doing there, Chuck? Okay, let's see what we got here. Today is the 19th. Is that right? Yes. Okay, case of knives. For fits, fits of depression, it has that one of those fancy big letters at the beginning, ah. and so it's, yeah, fits of yeah, could have been fits of depression come over most of us. Charles Spurgeon once told his students, "The strong are not always vigorous; the joyous are not always happy." Spurgeon himself was living proof, for he often suffered agonizing periods of depression. One of the worst occurred when he was only 22 years old. His congregation had outgrown its building, so Spurgeon arranged to rent Royal Surrey Gardens Music Hall, London's most commodious and beautiful building, for Sunday night services. Surrey Hall usually accommodated secular concerts, carnivals, and circuses. Using it as a place of worship was unheard of in its day, and the news spread through London like lightning. On Sunday morning, October 19, 1856, Spurgeon preached at New Park Street Chapel, saying, I may be called to stand where the thunderclouds brew, where the lightnings play and tempestuous winds are howling on the mountaintop. Well, let me... I just want to make sure that doesn't ring again. Hang on a second here. Okay. Uh, no, uh, that's Sergio telling us he landed. Um, let's see here. Where was I? Mountaintop. Um... Uh, he was praying on the mountaintop. Oh yeah, okay, well then, amidst dangers, he will inspire me with courage. Amidst toils, he will make me strong. We shall be gathered together tonight where an unprecedented mass of people will assemble, perhaps from idle curiosity, to hear God's word, see what God can do. Just when a cloud is falling on the head of him whom God has raised up to preach to you. That evening, 12,000 people streamed into Surrey Hall and an additional 10,000 overflowed into the surrounding gardens. The services started, but as Spurgeon rose to pray, someone shouted, fire, fire, the galleries are giving way. There was no fire, but the crowd bolted in panic and in the resulting stampede, seven people were trampled to death. 28 more were hospitalized. The young preacher reeling in shock was literally carried from the pulpit to a friend's house where he remained in seclusion for weeks. He wept by day and suffered terrifying dreams at night. He later said, My thoughts were all a case of knives cutting my heart to pieces. At last, while meditating on Philippians 2.10, the Lord's word began to restore his soul. It was this disaster, horrible as it was, that vaulted Charles Spurgeon to overcome fame, I'm sorry, to overnight fame as a preacher all the world wanted to hear. 
So at the name of Jesus, everyone will bow down, those in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and to the glory of God the Father, everyone will openly agree, Jesus Christ is Lord. Wow, never heard that one before. Who does something like that? What's it? Yeah, that person should be, well, I keep my... Yeah, I just, I get very frustrated at people that do stupid. Um, let's see here. Ricky is bedridden. Ricky is bedridden and has lost his benefits. He's really struggling to get by right now. Um, fortunately, a couple of the nurses that were taking care of him still come by at least to make sure he's okay. But uh, poor guy, he's just... The Paphras' wife, he's the uh, pastor in Tanzania. She's in the hospital with abdominal surgery to remove a tumor. Uh, Amy Oriente has knee replacement surgery, and she's now in rehab. I think somebody back here is smiling very large because he knows exactly what that means. Uh, and Becky, poor Becky out in Colorado has been struggling. She's just had a terrible problem in her innards here for ever and uh, it's continuing on so she's got a new doctor and they'll see if they can figure out what to do there so we want to keep those people in prayer let's see here heavenly father how good it is to be in your presence and to know that you're in control of all things and uh, maybe that person that yelled fire in the uh, crowded room uh, turned from his ways and came to you we'll find out someday but uh, how horrible that those people were trampled to death before they even got to hear the message uh, Lord, uh, we just leave these things in your hands, knowing that uh, nothing happens apart from your knowledge. And uh, there are people that are being, uh, uh, they're in war right now over in Israel, and uh, it's a difficult time, and we know that you can work this out for your glory, even on both sides. So we would just pray that your hand would be with them and that would uh, uh, protect your people as they uh, finally come into the covenant that you uh, are hoping that they will that you set forth for them, I should say, and that they will someday come into. And may that day be soon. But until then, we know that your hand is upon them to protect them as a people. And uh, Lord, we just pray for this class. We pray that uh, things will be handled properly and that you will be glorified through what is said. And we certainly pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's see here. We're in... Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I don't think we got to chapter 3 last week. No, no we didn't. We just fell short. Okay, <laughs> we're in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 6. Yes, and I'll start at 1. Okay. Just because it's the man of lawlessness. Good catch up for what it's all about. Okay. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us and saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. For he <clears throat> will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. <clears throat> so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Five, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? Six, and now, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Okay, you know, it's funny, you think, well, how could somebody stand in the temple and say, I'm God? But people do it all the time. We've got oh, people all over God. the world that claim to be Jesus or they claim to be God. So 
you know, it, it's not impossible by any stretch, but you just have to wonder what people are thinking. Right. Thank the you. fact that people believe it, yeah. that's the craziest part Insane. Right there. Literally insane. Okay, this one says almost exactly the same. It says, and now know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Okay, so um, let's see here. Paul continues with his thoughts on the revealing of the Antichrist. He said that the Antichrist would not be revealed until after the rapture of the church. That's very clear, okay? This is implied in the previous verses, and it will be implied again in the coming verses. Only then will the Antichrist be revealed, and the world will enter the day of Christ, meaning the day of the Lord. But something is restraining that from occurring, something they have already been told about. This is reminded to them now with the words, and now you know what is restraining. The words, and now, are not speaking of anything he has said in this letter. Instead of being in a temporal sense, meaning in time, the word now is being used in an introductory sense. They are being asked to call to memory what they had already been told. The reason for explaining it this way is because the church had been fooled. They had been misdirected by false information, claiming that the day of Christ had come. The reminder now is that the revealing of the Antichrist is actually purposefully hindered, and it would continue to be so until the right time arrived. So there is a restrainer. We don't know yet, at least in the commentary, what the restrainer is, but there's something that is restraining. It is purposeful. It has not come about yet in the stream of time that Paul wrote, and obviously it hasn't come about yet in our time either, unless you believe we're in the tribulation period and you know we talked about that last week i mean some people just get the funniest ideas i keep getting these um is it psalm 86 or psalm 83 and these people are saying that's happening right now and it, it, it's not at all happening right now but people just want as i said last week we want to shove ourselves into the bible we want to be the people that are at the coming of the lord and it probably is the case, but, I mean, people have been saying that now for 2,000 years. So um, we just have to wait, and we have to be patient. And uh, But it's human inclination to want to be the ones that will be here at the rapture or the ones that are here at the coming of the Lord or whatever you believe is the next event. And so, uh, you know, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses have been saying that all along, and the Millerites who became the Seventh-day Adventist, you know, basically the same group. They've been saying this now for hundreds of years, and... Uh, the Lord will do these things in his own time, as it says, and it would continue to be so until the right time arrived. And it's not going to happen before that, no matter what we think or what we want to do. So, how are you guys doing tonight? Uh, the words, what is restraining, are insufficient here. There is a definite article in front of restraining in the Greek Therefore, this is not a mere doctrine that they are aware of, but rather of a specific and familiar object. Therefore, it should say, that which is restraining. Okay, A known entity is restraining the coming of the Antichrist, and the time for that entity to cease restraining will come as planned by God. Okay, now, if that's still going on today, you, can, you don't need to answer it out loud, but you can kind of guess that it's obviously something that's been around a long time, because... If it was restraining at the time of Paul and the Antichrist still hasn't been revealed, that means that it is still restraining, right? So whatever it is, it's something that is, you know, outside of a single human or outside of a, you know, a government that has been on the earth or anything like that. 
okay? Um, so uh, it should say that which is restraining. A known entity is restraining the coming of the Antichrist. And the time for that entity to cease restraining will come as planned by God. He has got a plan. He's got it figured out. Everything that has happened in human history, everything, and everything that is ever going to happen, God knew before he created a thing. He's God. He knows how th things are going to work. You know, you think of the, the wisdom that is behind that concept. I mean, somebody gets a stomach ache in Brazil and, you know, it gets into the water system and it goes down here and everybody dies here. And oh, Lord knew everything. He knew every single thing that started from a single bug in one person's bad lunch. I mean, there's nothing that God doesn't know. And so he's got a plan and our fretting over it, our, you know, pulling on our hair and, and fretting over these things isn't going to change anything. Uh, all we can do is look at the magnificence of what God is doing and what he has done. And we can say, you are God and I'm going to trust in you. That's all we need to do. We don't need to, to worry about any other thing than that God has everything in control. And if you belong to Christ, if you have called on him, then it will be okay. No matter how bad it gets in the meantime, he has got a good end for us. So we don't need to worry about those things. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, uh, and so there was absolutely no reason for those in Thessalonica. He's got it planned. God knows. He's restraining. Everything is fine. And because he wrote it to those in Thessalonica, and the letter is now included in the Bible, it's written to us as well. Okay? There's no reason for them to speculate about having already entered into the tribulation period, which means that there is no reason for us to worry about people that speculate that we have already entered into the tribulation period. Like I said last week, we went to Israel with a girl that was adamant. This was in 2003. We're in the tribulation period. Well, this has been a long tribulation period. All right. I mean, it, you know, just think it through. The Bible doesn't teach that. It never taught that. Wherever you got that information, it's wrong. <clears throat> so don't worry about it. I, I mean, I just don't understand why anybody would listen to somebody like that. But the reason, obviously, is because they don't know the Bible. And instead of reading the Bible, they're listening to these people on what used to be TV, and now nobody does this on TV anymore. It's all done on Internet or it's done, you know, some other way, Facebook or whatever. But uh, they would rather listen to that kind of nonsense than sit down and read the Bible and figure this out. Or, you know, go to a, a Bible study and say, well, that's not right. I know it's not right because... I've read the Bible and it doesn't match what I've read. Even if I don't know what is right, I know that's not right. People aren't even at that level. So you have to make sure that you don't worry. God has a plan. He's already told us in uh, 2 Thessalonians 1, 1, 2, and 3, he's told us that that day will not come until, and it hasn't happened. And we're not going to know that, which don't worry about those things. Um, the truth holds for us even, at, yes, until this day. And yet how many have claimed that the day of Christ, meaning the day of the Lord, depending on which day of the Christ, day of the Lord, same day has arrived. People say it all the time. Like I said, the girl in Israel telling everybody we're in the tribulation period. How many speculations about the tribulation period have been laid out in chart upon chart? I, um, it's kind of funny that um, I... Uh, was I think I've mentioned him, or at least in the class, maybe not on the video, not while we're having class, but there's a guy that um, uh, does, um, he's called the something Calvinist. Um, anyway, it, he, he makes fun of 
all denominations, not just others, and he, not Calvinism. You know, he, he doesn't spare Calvinism, in other words. He picks on all of them. He's this uh, guy, and he, what he does is he'll take a subject, like um, shooting guns, and he will say, um, uh, and if you've seen one of his videos, you kind of get the idea. You don't need to watch all of them, but um, shooting guns, he'll pull out a uh, old, reliable gun, and he'll say, this is my Baptist gun. Okay, and he goes out and he says, it's reliable, it doesn't need to change, you know, just like a Baptist would think. And then he gets out a, uh, a mach- uh, not a uh, uh, shotgun, and it just scatters all over the place. And he says, this is my Pentecostal shotgun. Yeah, it's just, there's no doctrine, everything is just forced on everybody. And he takes guns, it didn't he do, I sent that to you guys, didn't I? He did a great job of it. Everything fits the denomination that he's picking on. Well, he did one, I don't remember, it wasn't the gun one, but he did one on, um, People are in a restaurant and they're talking about ordering, I think. Anyway, um, and the um, uh, order that he uh, did for dispensationalists was, we're going to uh, do a chart and we're going to lay out what we need for protein and what we, and that's what dispensationalists do. They've got a chart for everything. I had to laugh because, you know, I love charts. That's the way I think, but charts help you with things. But if they don't match the Bible, then it's useless. But people come up, I can tell you, I have been sent 18,000 charts since 19, uh, I'm sorry, 2021 uh, or 2001, okay? Uh, that's when I, we started to get the internet, that's when, and people would send me these proving some stupid thing that had nothing to do with scripture. And they've got it all laid out and they're saying, this is seven years and blah, 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 and this is the 1,335 days of Daniel and it never works out. Okay, you're trying to chart something that has not happened yet. We're, we're not going to know when it happens. And so what you're charting is ridiculous. Charting things from the past to show how God has been reliable is one thing. We've got the information. All we need to do is say, this happened at this time. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to look at the Bible and say, I understand that this said this back in Ezekiel's time, and it was validated at the return of Israel in 1948 and then 1967 and we can marvel at that that God knew the future and he told us when these things would happen but when you start trying to lay out charts for the uh, where we are right now and where the tribulation period is going to begin and where it's going to end and all of that don't waste your time on that anyway I just thought that guy he does uh, I've seen enough of his videos where I don't need to watch anymore but he'll like he'll give you one on uh, chicken, chicken wings. I like really spicy chicken wings and he'll equate it to a denomination. And then I like mine with this on it. And it's funny. He does a funny job, but like I say, once you've seen one or two, you kind of get the, the, the gist of it and you don't need to see. Conversations with a Calvinist. If you want to see the one that I think is the best, go look at the gun one. He just takes, he, he pulls out all these guns and he shows you exactly, uh, you know, the Methodist one, no gun. It's just like birds chirping or something because, you know, they're whatever. It's just, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it's that kind of an attitude. He's got the denominations pegged and how they present themselves. And then he takes a subject and he applies it to him. He does a good job. Uh, conversations with a Calvinist. Anyway, um, unfortunately, he keeps coming up on my, my YouTube. And if there's nothing else that is on that stream of stuff they've recommended, I end up watching another one, so, and then they just keep coming, so you can't get rid of them. So you fi- finally have to just say, I'm not watching anymore. But Almost like you're predestined. Yeah, I'm predestined. To, <laughs> hello, very good, very good. Okay, so chart upon chart. 
There's speculations. Oh, this is a tribulation. This is the rapture. This is when this is going to happen. And this goes on to this day. I get these at least once a week and sometimes four or five a week where people have said, I absolutely am certain that this is going to happen at this time. And the day comes and you never get it. Well, you know, I was wrong. Never, <laughs> ever. But I get them almost every day. Okay. People uh, predict the rapture based on how much change they got at 7-Eleven or um, I'm not kidding. I, they, they think that the, they think that the Lord is well, is using them as an uh, as you know alerting them about the events that are coming. Like they are the portal, and they do. The, I mean, I get these constantly from. I say thank you, and I just delete the email, and send, and that's it. I, I you know I'm not going to get belligerent with these people because it wouldn't do any good. But it's it's a never ending stream of this. You know, the last last week we had that. Um, uh, eclipse, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be uh, like they call it the uh, diamond on the ring because there's the sun is behind the moon and it makes one little area that looks like a diamond. They said that's proof that the rapture is coming because it's the diamond on the ring that Christ is giving to the church. <laughs> and I must have gotten 50 of those. And I'm like, oh where are they now that it didn't happen? But this is what people do. They, they, they dwell on this subject. Did okay. The fellow in Hawaii ever apologize? No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't watch him, so I wouldn't know. But nobody has told me he did. Um, I've never seen more than five minutes of one of his videos because people will say, "Would you check this out?" And I'll say, "Just tell me the part you want me to check because I'm not watching an hour-long video." And they send me that, and I'll listen. I've listened maybe five or eight minutes of him, but my guess is no because nobody said he did. Anyway, um, there is one restraining. Okay, despite all of the nonsense that people are saying, there's one restraining, and that will continue to be the case so that, and this is Paul's words, that he may be revealed in his own time. Speaking of the Antichrist, that he is the Antichrist. That is not going to happen until the one that is restraining is done restraining. Okay, we haven't gotten to who the restrainer is yet, but you can guess. Now, if the restrainer is no longer restraining and the Antichrist is available and you are still here, then there's a problem with you and your relationship with the Lord. Everybody see that? So why try to speculate on who the Antichrist is? You're wasting your time. You are not going to know. There are probably 50 people in the world right now that are suitable candidates for being the Antichrist just because they have the right position, they have the right thinking, they have the right demonic spirit. I mean, these people could be it. All right. And you can speculate all day long on who it is, but it doesn't do you any good because it's probably not the one you're thinking of. All right. Um, and even if it is, who cares? If you think about it, who cares? Okay. But um, what is restraining? The revealing of the Antichrist is not specifically mentioned. Okay. Paul doesn't tell us what it is, but he said that the one restraining and he's saying it as if they have already been told they know. So this is an entity that Paul has made them aware of. God didn't include it in this word, but we can deduce what it is. So uh, we'll look at these. These uh, It can be readily inferred based on several things. These will be looked at in the verses to come. But suffice it to say, one, the Antichrist is one who stands in opposition to Jesus. This must, If this must be restrained for even 2,000 years now, it shows that even though the Antichrist is a person, there is more involved. He is a person who will be specifically filled by Satan. Everybody got that? There's a restrainer, okay? And if the restrainer is to continue restraining until somebody comes that it's time for this person to be revealed, 
and it could be at any time during the church age, then it means that there must be something that is on the evil side waiting to be revealed. Got that? And so it must be that Satan is involved and he is going to fill somebody. Could be anybody at any time in history. Could have been Adolf Hitler. I'm sure people, Christians in Germany, were saying, this guy's the Antichrist. Or, you know, or maybe the people in America did. I don't know. But Joseph Stalin. Somebody probably thought, this is the Antichrist. All right? It could be somebody out there. Now, we have to know, actually, what it says in Daniel about who the Antichrist is to know that it's not Stalin. It's not Hitler. It's going to be a Roman. It, it, there's no doubt about it. You know, I understand people disagree. They've got their own opinions about that, but it says the prince of the people who is to come. We know that the people who is to come were the Romans, okay? And you can say, well, it's the Roman Empire. So it could be anybody. It could be a German. It could be a, you know, an Italian. It could be whatever. Um, and that's possible, but I would still stick with Rome simply because he has said it in the word and he's not going to make it different. You know, I, I just don't think that. I think there's probably going to be a Roman that is going to fill this. All right, whatever. Um, uh, two, if this could be at any given time, then there is a set time known even 2,000 years ago when this would come about. Everybody see that? If, 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 if the Antichrist is going to be revealed at some point that Paul says is coming and it's been going on for 2,000 years, then there is a known set point. It's not just some arbitrary thing that's going to happen. God has the plan. And we can deduce that 100% from what is said here. What could restrain Satan from so filling whatever person he chose for that long? Okay, we'll get the answer when we get to that verse. Uh, then we go on. The words that he might be revealed in his own time, meaning the Antichrist, have the meaning of with a view to. All right. What this means is that God's purposes will come about because of, hang on, got to turn my page, the power of the Antichrist. Um, is that right, 23? Yes, because of Antichrist. It will be restrained when he sees fit. Just as God ordained Israel to be exiled to Babylon for 70 years, and that exile ended as prophesied. Uh, let me take you there. I know I read this about a month ago, but just so anybody that doesn't remember this, uh, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah, 70 years. He said it explicitly. And then Daniel got down on his knees. He said, um, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books. Okay, he's reading the prophecies, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. It's 70 years now, and Daniel said, okay, you promised this? It must be true, okay? Daniel looked at scripture as absolutely authoritative. Jeremiah said it's going to be 70 years. Daniel is at the end of the 70 years. Time to get down and pray. And he did. Okay, it's all recorded right there in Daniel chapter 9. All right, so uh, they were 70 years, and then that exile ended as prophesied. And then just as the same is true with the ending of their second exile at a pre-prophesied moment to effect his purposes, that's Ezekiel chapter 4. Ezekiel is used as a benchmark of uh, what will happen in Israel's history until a certain day in history. Okay, I'll stop right there really quickly, and I'll, I'm not going to go into any detail on it. I'll just say that in Ezekiel chapter 4, Ezekiel is being used as a sign. The prophet himself is a sign to the people of Israel. 
and he's told to do certain things. You know, you, you got to um, set up a little city of Jerusalem and set up a pan next to it and be a shield against it. And uh, the Lord's telling him these things. And he says, I want you to lay on one side for 40 days. And then I want you to lay on your other side for uh, 40 and uh, 270. Is, uh, no, it's uh, 430. Oh, wait a minute. Um, uh, let me read it. I don't want to say this wrong, and my brain is not working right now. So um, 40 days and 70 days. Is that right? Um, wait, Charlie, why can't I remember this? You know, I, I, I should remember this perfectly. And right now I'm just having a... Um, he's told to sit on his side, and it says here... Um, uh, uh, where is it? Um, take a pan, put it between you, an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged. Um, and that is, um, uh, let's see here. Uh, lie also on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of days that you lie on it, you shall be there, bear their iniquity. For I've laid on you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days, 390 days. That's right. So 390 and 40. So he's got 40 days, 390, and it comes out to 430. Okay. And what so verses? what? What verses? Uh, that's just Daniel 4. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 4. I don't, I, whatever. I'm just reading through it. Okay. But uh, anyway, right in Ezekiel 4, it says there'll be 430 days. Now, remember that at the time you had two kingdoms, which is actually coming up in a sermon really quickly. I don't know if it's this weekend, but um, uh, I don't think so. Maybe. I, I don't know. What's the... Uh, Othniel. Um, it might be this one week or next week. I, I think it might be this week. Anyway, uh, it'll talk about this. Anyway, um, uh, you've got um, 430 days. They're two separate entities, but they're being taken collectively because they are Israel. Okay, so you have to understand that. So there's 70 years that uh, they were exiled, right? They went into exile, and Daniel confirmed that, 70 years. And so if you take 70 from uh, 430, how much does that leave? 360, okay? And so there will be 360 more years of punishment because it's a day for a year, right? Okay, but they didn't listen the first time. And what does Leviticus 26 say? If you don't listen the first time, I will multiply your sins seven times over. So 360 times 7 is 2,520. You go back to the starting date, 2,520 years on a prophetic year, which is the Bible uses a 360-day year. doesn't use a 365-day year. And that comes out to 907,200 days. Okay? And so from the time that uh, that started until the time that it ended was 14 May of 1948. It's comes out right to that day when Israel was reestablished as a nation. And then Jerusalem, in the Bible it says this, you know, Jerusalem fell how many years after the first exile of Israel? 19 years, right? That's right in the Bible. How many years after 1948 was June 7th, 1967 in the recapture of Jerusalem? 19 years, okay? The same calculation happened for Israel's reestablishment and the recapture of Jerusalem. Now, I did that from memory, and it may be off a little bit, but it's precise enough where you can get the, the point that it is predetermined by God. He knew that these things would happen. He ensured that things would be exactly as they should be. The land was already ready for a people to live in it. Why? Because the Zionist movement was going on in the late 1800s, okay? He had it already set up where the Jews had this, this ability now to go into this barren land, 
that nobody wanted, by the way. The people that did live there were poor. They were just, there was no industry. There were no commodities. There was no green grass. It was a very, very poor place. Nobody wanted it. The Turks thought they were idiots for buying this land and they were charging more than it was worth because they were laughing about it. These stupid Jews, you know, they're buying this land. It isn't worth anything, okay? And what did the Jews do? They made it productive, exactly the way the Bible said would happen with Israel. It would be productive again. They had to go down to, you know, the area where the, the rivers used to flow into the, the ocean, and they had to clear that area so that the swamps could be drained and the rivers could flow again. Well, when you drain swamps and you have flowing water, you now have a, a fresh source of water, but you also have what? Fertilized soil. For 2,000 years, that stuff has been heaping up, and it's the most fertile soil on the planet right now. It's the Valley of Armageddon. It's beautiful. It is, it, they get more milk than any other cows in the world. They get more produce. It is unbelievable how productive the land is. Okay, But it wasn't just draining the rivers. They had to do that, but they also had to, uh, they brought in, you know, they're Jews. They're smart. They, they've lived all over the world. They know what works. They brought in the eucalyptus trees, which we've got all over Florida, the, the uh, paper trees. Mm -hmm. Okay, They planted them there because what do eucalyptus trees do? They suck up water. They suck up water just like, like that's, it's like turning on a spigot. They just grow like crazy in standing water, and then they uh, are standing there. They get huge very quickly, and the hot air, the dry air, just sucks that water out in the atmosphere, and it's like a pump. It's like turning on a pump. And so they've drained all of these swamps with their ingenuity, clear rivers running out, drain swamps, and they've left some of those trees there. They're not good to leave there because, um, uh, it, it, you know, it's like in Florida. They're cutting them down everywhere because they just keep sucking the water up, and they don't want that. They originally brought them here to get rid of the Everglades and to, you know, make the land livable in Florida. But now they have to cut them out of here because if not, it's going to suck up all the water. And so you go down, especially up here, it's all done. There's a few of them. I got a couple in the mall behind me. And if somebody knew that, they probably cut them down because, you know, they're not good to have and they do grow very rapidly. But down in, you, if you drive down like through Fort Myers and uh, go further south, you'll see miles of these things that are being cut down, okay? Because the land is now productive and they don't need those trees anymore, okay? Um, but this is what Israel did. And they made it productive in advance of 1948. So as soon as the people were ready, they were able to take over the land and have a stable country. The Lord reestablished them as a nation. Everything was prepared. Even if it was the Jews doing it, the Lord was working through them. Anybody that can't see that is as blind as a bat or just they simply do not want to believe the Bible. They do not want to believe the Bible. And that's just a small portion of what's been going on all of this time. Okay, well, uh, here's the question. Why did those rivers plug up in the first place? Why would they plug up? It's because the Nile River washes down a lot of sand, a lot of sand. And that's the direction of the flow in the Mediterranean. It goes from the Nile up by Israel. Well, there's nobody there to clean out the rivers, the sand. You know, the Jews live there and they know they've got to keep the sand going. And the Romans are no longer living there. Okay, they don't want the land anymore. It's just nothing. And so all of that plugged up. You know, if you go to Caesarea now and you see those aqueducts and they're just buried under sand, right? Well, that's what happened. All that sand flowed up from 
the Nile that's been pumping 2,000 years worth of sand. And the Jews knew this. They knew how to make the land productive again because they've lived in Australia. They've lived in America. They've lived all over the world. They know hydraulics. They know, you know, uh, all the things that are necessary. This person has this skill. This person has this skill. And they were able to deduce what will make this land productive. It wasn't by accident. This was perfectly planned by God. Okay, so all of this has been going on. The land is ready. Israel's back in the land. The whole point of all of that talk now is to say that if God knew those things in advance, the day that Israel was going to come back into the land and reestablish as a nation, don't you think he knows the day of the rapture? And that we don't have to worry about the stupidity of people saying things that have no bearing on what's really going on in the world right now, okay? Don't listen to people like that. You're wasting your time, okay? Um, I'll read it again. And then the exile ended as prophesied, and then just as the same is true with the ending of their second exile, at a pre-prophesied moment to effect his purposes. The ending of the restraint of the power which will be given to the Antichrist is intended to meet God's purposes for judgment on the unrepentant world. Okay, now, here's, here's one of those things that you have to remember. The Lord created the world in how many days? Six. Six days, and then he rested on the seventh. The Lord is using that, that event as a pattern for everything he's going to do in what is called the 7,000-year cycle of human history. Okay, and for example, the fourth day uh, something happened, and it'll match that Christ came at the beginning of the fourth day. All right, uh, it, it, the menorah is constructed so that it reveals us. Go back and watch the uh, sermon on the menorah, and you'll get a bit of this. Okay, so we're on a seven thousand year schedule. Um, Israel was exiled at the end of their exile, which is two thousand years, uh, you know, from from the the end of their time in Israel to the time they're back. It's about two thousand years, not from the uh, Ezekiel calculation, 2520. That's different. Anyway, um, uh, so uh, during that time, it's the Gentile-led church age. There's these two days that are, or 2,000 years, which is a day is for 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is like a day. You get these two days of the redemptive calendar, okay? And who is it that says that? Is it Amos or Jose? He says, after uh, uh, two days, I will come to you. On the third day, I will build you up. And that might be a misquote. What's, what's that? Hosea 6. Hosea 6.2. We'll go there really quickly just so that people don't think I made that up. Um, I knew it was one of them, and I, I am glad that you're here to bail me out on that because I wouldn't have remembered the actual number, but it says, um, let me just zip back through here, um, Amos, Hosea, Joel. There it is. Okay, uh, let's see. 6 and 2, and it says there in 6.2. Um, Come, let us return to the Lord. Now, think of Israel. I haven't been in the presence of the Lord now for 2,000 years, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. That happened. It happened in our lifetime. You can't say it didn't happen. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Hasn't happened yet, but it's going to be in the third day, okay? On the third day. And so, God is telling in these little ways what he's doing with this 7,000-year plan of redemption. And if that's the case, and it is, I mean, it's fit so far, then that means that we are probably, and I hate to be dogmatic and be wrong, but we are probably right at the time of the coming of the Lord, okay? Because the two days have resulted in Israel's being restored, just the way Hosea said. He's taking those two days, and he's equating it to the life of Israel in the original redemptive plan 
six days a day for a thousand years, okay? So it just gives us information. It doesn't give us anything specific, but it does give us information. We are probably, probably at that time. Here's another thing, Isaiah. Isaiah 11 says that the Lord will stretch out his hand a second time. That was before they'd been exiled one time. So we know that there would be two exiles. The Lord is giving information that you can't know in advance. But after it's happened, you can say, I get this, okay? So uh, we, we have them back now. There's not going to be a third exile. We read uh, in class a couple weeks ago, Amos or the end of uh, Amos, where it says, I will plant them in their land and I will never pluck them up again. So we have a second recalling. They will never be plucked up again. We've got two days done and the third day has began. You know, it, it looks like we are at that time without being dogmatic of <clears throat> picking and choosing days and exact, you know, know the seasons, okay? Know the seasons. Um, uh, let's see here. So um, uh, where was I? The word translated as time indicates a set and purposeful time. It is a particular season. That would be the word kairos. Now, I haven't checked the Greek, but I'm pretty certain of that. You've got chronos, you've got kairos, you've got different words that uh, indicate that a lot of times they're just translated as time. But the word itself will tell you. What is this? This is a chrono chronometer, right. right? It's counting time this way, okay? Kairos isn't doing that. It's not counting time this way. It's saying this is the set time, right? This is something that's going to happen. This is a time set by God, whatever. So Kairos is different than Kronos, but they're both time in, in some sense, okay? Anyway, um, the word translates time indicates a set and purposeful time, a particular season. Just as Christ Jesus was said to have come in the fullness of the time set by God in Galatians 4.4, 4, so Antichrist will come at a particular season to fulfill God's purposes. Okay, right now we still have not gotten any further along with Israel than we were last week. We're in a holding pattern. There haven't been any bombings. It'll probably happen tomorrow. For some reason, they said we're going to do this Friday. Um, I don't know if that's actually going to happen or if they're going to delay more because of what happened, that fiasco with Hamas blowing themselves up. But um, uh, it, it, we'll see. But so far, there's been a little scuffle on the you know northern border of Lebanon, but that happens every time something like this happens. There's always little scuffles. There's not been a major uh, infiltration. There's not been a major bombing from Lebanon. So at this point, we are not at the point that we weren't at last week as well. Okay, so don't get all excited about it. One thing at a time, and if things blow up into a regional war, we can say we might be getting close. But right now, it's just the same as what happened with Gaza 12 years ago and 18 years ago. And, you know, it's just the Lord knows we don't. And there's no point in scaring people. Okay, so just be content that the Lord has a plan and that we are saved by the Lord. And no matter what happens, he has got our back. Okay, life application. Way too many people focus on who the Antichrist is. That is a pointless venture. The Bible says he will be revealed at a particular time, and that time will not be until after the rapture of the church. If you are looking for Antichrist, you need to redirect and look for Christ. That's right. Stop wasting your time on useless videos about an already defeated enemy. Instead, pick up your Bible and find Jesus. That's the sweet spot. You know, I'm here once again today, all alone, and I'm just thinking how wonderful it is to find Jesus in the Bible. It's just so wonderful. to Every time you 
pick it up and you're reading and you say, hey, that sounds like Jesus. You know, your thinking might not be exact. You know, it, it, it takes study to get that out of there, but you can pick it up and you say, I think this is pointing to Jesus because it is. In some way or another, it is. So uh, don't waste your time on, on stuff that's pointless. Keep yourself focused on the word. Keep yourself focused on Jesus and, and you know, fall in love with him more every day. All right. I try to say that because um, doctrine is very important. I, I believe that it is as important as anything that we will ever do while we're in this body is have proper doctrine. If you don't, then you're just, you're what Paul says, like you're being tossed about on a ship, bl blown by every uh, wind of doctrine and, you know, the machinations of man. I know that's not correct, but something like that. Anyway, it, we need to have sound doctrine, but when you're getting sound doctrine, the main thing is to step back and say, I'm doing this because I love Jesus and I want to know him more. Not so that you can become a headstrong person that can throw your doctrine at somebody else and argue with them, okay? You're not serving anybody by doing that. So remember to love the Lord first and foremost and have good doctrine because you love the Lord, all right? Not the other way around because if it's the other way around, you will never be in love with the Lord. You will be in love with pursuing more doctrine. And uh, it's it, doctrine is great, but it is not it is not the end game. Jesus is the end game. Okay, um, two seven. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. Now, that's pretty clear. Now, it says it a little different. Yours says the secret something, secret power. power of okay, this one says the mystery, the mysterion of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Okay, before I even read the commentary, I will let you know that this is the New King James Version, and they have what's called a presupposition. What is a presupposition? Something they want to have happen that probably won't. Well, it's not just that they want to have happen, it's they believe something about this particular verse. A presupposition says, I think that this is what it's saying, and I am going to insert that into the Bible. Their presupposition, and I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying that this has to be a presupposition, is that the word he should be capitalized. Some Bibles don't, some do. There's no capitalization in the Hebrew or Greek in the Bible, okay? If there is, it's because we put it in there. They, uh, when the Greek wrote, it would either be all capitals, which is majuscule writing, or it would be all small and it's minuscule writing, just like we would do. We'd scribble out something and not use any capitalization or punctuation. That's what they would do. But they have in this Bible capitalized he. I'll read it again and remember that the two times it says he, and you'll, what does a capitalization of he mean? He means it's God. God. Okay. So it says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, okay? So there are two he's, and it doesn't have to be the same he, but they're both capitalized, okay? So that is a presupposition. I'm not saying it's not right at this point, but that they have presupposed that it is speaking of deity, of God, okay? Um, and I'm, the reason why I'm saying that is because if it doesn't have a he in there, it doesn't mean that they're not presupposing it just means that they're translating without capitalizing. They may think that it's God, but these people have stepped forward and they have said, I'm going to capitalize this because I am certain that this is God. Everybody got that? Yep. There's nothing wrong with that if they are right. If they're wrong, then there's something wrong with that. Okay, it's like going back to um, 
uh, Genesis where Abraham says, and God caused me to wander from my home, right? He's talking and he's uh, explaining his situation to somebody and he says, God has caused me to wander from my home. And the Hebrew does not say that. Does anybody know what it says? I brought this up before. What does it say there? It says, the gods have caused me to wander. It's small g because it's plural. The verb is plural, and therefore the word Elohim, which can be singular or plural, must be plural. So it's not speaking about God at all. So when they translate it with a capital G, they are presupposing that it's God when it is not, okay? The gods caused me to wander. What does that mean? It doesn't make any sense unless you go back and watch the sermon. Then you'll understand it. It means that he was living in the land of idolatry. Those gods caused him to wander. They were the efficient cause of him moving. They were the purpose of him moving, efficient. I hope I got the right cause there. There are four causes, and I might have said the wrong one. I think that's correct, though. All right. God called him out of that place, but he did it because these gods were not the right thing for him. The gods caused me to wander. It doesn't say the gods, so it says gods. Elohim caused me to wander, but the verb is plural. Okay? So... Be careful when you're reading the Bible that just because something is capitalized, it may not be. It may be an incorrect translation. But we'll go on with that now, with their presupposition, and we'll see what the commentary says about it. The word for is given based on the words of the previous verse. Paul said something was restraining the Antichrist. That was that he may be revealed in his own time. That was Paul's words. He may be revealed in his own time. And we spent 15 minutes talking about how God has everything planned. Okay, he's got this perfect plan where he knows every single thing that will ever happen. Okay, you know, the stars are whizzing by and you get a comet that goes by. God knew that was going to happen. He knew that this was going to, he knows when a meteorite is going to hit the earth. Um, and something is going to hit the earth and make a big bang during the, the uh, tribulation period. I mean, it, you know, there's this great thing like a mountain that comes out of the sky. And I mean, the Lord knows in advance that these things are going to happen. Okay, so he may be revealed in his own time. From this, Paul continues with his words here. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Okay, now a mystery is the word mysterion. It is something that has not been revealed. And it is something that can only be specially revealed. It's a mystery. When Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery, it's something that could not have ever been deduced without God telling us, okay, without him revealing it to us. When Paul says in Ephesians, the mystery of the church, it means that nobody would have deduced that there would be a Gentile-led church. Nobody, nobody could have figured that. It was not something that could have been known unless they were told this is what God has done and here is how he has done it and here is how it works, everything that Paul tells us about this church. Okay, The mystery of the rapture is that it had never been revealed and that God, Paul had to specifically reveal it by God revealing it to him and then he says, behold, I show you a mystery. It is now being revealed to the people of the world. This is the same thing. The mystery of lawlessness is something that we would not know about without us being specifically told, okay? There is a lawlessness which is working. And because he's writing this 2,000 years ago, it means that lawlessness has been working for 2,000 years, okay? Which is not yet fully revealed. Okay, it has been slowly working out a plan. Now, I would pre present to you that I would think that this mystery includes 
People's insightful analysis in 1964 when he submits it to the congressional record that the communist agenda in America says that they are going to do these things to destroy this nation. And everything that they said has been worked on. Joe Biden is the perfect example of it. The things he is doing perfectly mirror several of the points that were submitted by Cy Herlong. That is a lawlessness that is working in the world. Okay, it came into Russia back in the, what was it, 1917, right? So you've got communism, and it didn't work. But then, oh, we can make it work here, and so they move it somewhere else, and it doesn't work. And they move it here, and it doesn't work, okay? China is a basket case right now. Despite their big power and all of their money, they are living on a teeter-totter, okay? Because communism doesn't work, okay? But it's going to work this time. All right, and socialists do the same thing. Well, it didn't work in France. It's not working there too well. And it didn't work here. It didn't work in Cuba. It didn't work there. But we're going to make it work this time. Okay, the thing about socialism is that somebody has to decide for everybody. Okay, and that that is, Ray Willett said this, and he's absolutely right. That is the epitome of arrogance. I know what will work this time. Nobody else has it figured out, but I've got it figured out. It never works. It can't work because the system is impossible, okay? But that is lawlessness. That is evil that is being worked out in the world. It's not a valid system of government that will bring about a effective, happy group of people that are honoring the Lord. It's not going to happen with that type of a government, okay? See that? So this is a lawlessness that has been going on. It didn't work in 1917. It didn't work it didn't work here. It didn't work there. All of these things in different governments have been working. And it's anti-God. It's anti-Christ. They don't want to follow the words of the Messiah. They want to do it their own way. Whatever is going on, and this has been going on. But while this has been going on, the world has been getting worse. It's been it's never gotten better. Okay, it's, there have been times where America was established and things, there was a peace in the, the country for a while. And of course, then we start working against ourselves. Okay, we've got a Christian nation. That's the Trinity decision, right? Well, with that, they have Christian liberty. And if you have a different denomination, then you have to be accepted, right? So the Mormons started to grow and the Jehovah's Witnesses started to grow. Even though they're not really Christian, we're working against the very purposes that we established in this nation, okay? And so this wickedness is working. You see, I'm just showing you how these things develop, but there's something restraining it at the same time. If not, then that may have taken off and blossomed and taken over the whole world, communism or Mormonism or something like that. It may have, but this restrainer is keeping things in check. There is something that's going on and it's going at it in various ways. Eventually, it will be at a point where it can then be revealed. It will be where the world is completely ready for whatever is happening. They weren't ready for communism in 1917 because there was an America, because there was this, there was that. Okay, but there is a point where these things are going to come to a head. God knows that. He knows the human heart. He knows the wickedness that is dwelling in humanity. He knows the ultimate end, and he says, I have this set up. So that at this point in time, when everything is ready, I'm taking my church out of here, and this person is going to come to power, and he will be revealed. This is the, the idea. I'm not saying that's exactly correct, but I'm saying that's the idea of what's been going on here. Because it's been going on for 2,000 years, okay? So, it's not yet fully revealed. 
It has been slowly working out a plan. In the Greek, there is an article in front of both mystery and lawlessness. It reads, for the mystery of the lawlessness. The state of lawlessness, which is not fully revealed, is already at work. Paul's words, it's already at work. It was going on even back then. You know, you have the Israelites, the Jews, they rejected Jesus, right? And so the church starts over here. And the church progressively goes to this area and that area. Um, you look at the alphabets of the world. A lot of the alphabets of the world are there because missions. We got two people here that are from a country that has the Slavic alpha alphabet, right? Where did that come from? Carol, right? The Cyrillic alphabet is how we say it. Carol was a missionary. He took the Greek alphabet and he said that won't work with this group of people. Their languages are too disparate from this. And so what did he do? He amended the Greek alphabet and he made the Cyrillic alphabet. And so that's what they use. That is now the language and it was developed by Christians. So there's this thing that's been going on all over the world, all over the world. And while Christianity is blossoming, other people don't want it. And this wickedness is growing. Everything is coming to a head. Everything. Like I said about the lady with the stomachache in Brazil, and it affects all of these people and it changes the dynamics. Everything is coming to an end. There's nothing that God doesn't know. Every single letter of every alphabet is known to God. Everything. So we don't need to worry if it's really going to happen or what. We just need to know how Paul has presented it properly. And if we get that, then we don't need to worry about the Antichrist. We don't need to worry about the day of the Lord. All of that will be somebody else's problem. We've got a better thing to worry about, and that is how are we going to stand before the Lord? You know, you listen to that song everybody plays at the funeral, and I have no idea. Am I going to be shouting for joy? Am I going to be on my face? Am I going to be in tears? I don't know. I just know I'm going to be there, and I'll find out when it happens. That is what we should be thinking about, okay? The state of lawlessness, did I read this? No, is already at work. The idea of the work is that of an inward action, as if yeast causing bread to swell. Like I said, there's this fullness of wickedness that is coming out in the world. It gets quenched here because God establishes a government. You know, it says in Daniel, he sets up kings and he deposes them, right? God is in control of these things. Well, this wickedness is growing, and there's a point where and we can sure see that with who was put into office a couple years ago. Uh, can we help you, sir? Uh, yes, this is for your... Oh, good. Okay, um, seeing as how he's bringing this, um, I will tell you that um, we've got uh, three things that are going on right now. Uh, the first is that we had a Ukrainian invasion. We've got our friends coming down, Andre and uh, Lilia. Okay, so they're visiting. And then we had, surprisingly, somebody showed up for Bible class today, which I was completely unaware of. You know, I knew they were coming. They said last week, they moved way south, and so they, they attend online now. But they said they'd be here today. And then the third thing is, this is the best of all. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. We had on, I think it was 9 October, 6 October. Which was it? Well, he turned 90. The doctor turned 90. What day was it? Six. six October. I, I, I knew it was either a six or a nine. I, I had it in my head. And I could. So uh, we're celebrating the doctor's 90th birthday late because they were still up in North Carolina for the summer. While we were roasting, they were up in the mountains. So um, what's that? You came into the building? What? 
Yes, you had an anniversary of coming into the building, too. Oh, yeah, but that, that was last week. That's ah. over. we got to wait till next week for that one. But, yeah, just set that down anywhere. That's fine. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah, that's, anywhere is fine. So we're going to have pizza here very shortly, and we'll go through one more verse just to uh, give, give everybody their money's worth. But, um, yeah, I, three wonderful things all came together. It was, a, you know, the word confluence can only be used in very limited number of uh, events. And one of them is people. Yeah, it could be the rapture today. We got pizza. It's, yeah, sounds like a sign to me. So um, uh, where were we? Well, they're setting that back there. Um, I got time. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm down here. Um, oh, yeah, bread swelling. It is as if yeast causing bread to swell. Now, here's something. They make their own bread for this pizza. And they have to let it sit for like, how long do you let your bread sit before? Uh, four days. Four days before they, it, it's amazing. Go in there sometime and just watch what they do. It, it, it's unbelievable. This is, this is really designer pizza at its best. Okay. It so, um, yeah. Okay. Wonderful to see you, sir. God, God bless. bless you. Have a wonderful God day. Take, Take good care. All right. So, um, before I forget, um, uh, Melissa P. paid for part of this. And then uh, Joey and John will pick up the rest, and I got more for, from them for the next pizza. So, um, Melissa P., thank you. And Joey and her son, John, uh, they gave some money for pizza, so uh, we're good to go there. And uh, thank you all for that, and we'll go on. Um, uh, as Ellicott notes, this is after I described the causing the bread to swell. As Charles Ellicott notes, this is not a personal thing. It is a state of lawlessness which is working and which will eventually be revealed. This mystery is then sharply contrasted to the word revealed, which is found in verses 6 and 8. There is a time when the lawlessness will come forth to effect its purposes on earth. It will be when the Antichrist is revealed. Like I said, everything is coming to this moment. Everything is coming to this moment because he will then embody this lawlessness. He will be the embodiment of all the wickedness that is going on. We got an embodiment of wickedness of America right now. Every wicked thing that we've been doing resulted in what happened two years ago. And there he is doing his wicked things right now in front of the whole world and nobody seems to care. This guy is going to be that guy on steroids. Okay. So uh, this is working of lawlessness, however, is kept in check until the appropriate time. Like I said, yeah, we have something that is getting out of control, and the Lord knows that it's not time for that to be revealed. I'm going to set up a government over here, which will keep that in check. I am in control of this. Everything is focused on his 7,000-year plan of redemption. Everything is going to work out according to that plan. In that plan is the people of Israel, okay? The people of Israel are a part of that. He's demonstrating his faithfulness to the world through them right? So we know that when he is faithful to Israel, even when they are unfaithful to him, that he is a faithful God, that he will never, ever forsake them, and thus he will never, ever forsake us. But he's working this plan out with real wickedness going on. He's doing it in a way that will bring everything to its fullness, all right? So the working of lawlessness is kept in check. At some point, the restraining force of verse 6 will no longer restrain. As it says, only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Paul's words. The words will do so 
are supplied by the translators for clarity. They're not in the original. That's, you'll see them italicized in the New King James Version. Okay, the use of the word, of the masculine word, he, here it is, this is my analysis of that, is based upon the masculine singular article in the Greek. Okay, so they translate it as he because it's masculine singular. All right, in verse 6, the restraining force was described with a neuter article that which restrains. That is converted now to a masculine noun. The question is, who is he? Okay, we all have our viewpoints, and I'll tell you what mine is over the next few minutes. All right, the New King James Version capitalizes the words. As I said, that is a presupposition. At this point, they're saying we believe it is God. Okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that as long as they let you know that, or you understand that that is something that they did that it's, it's just their presupposition, okay? They are thinking that it is speaking of specifically what part of the Godhead? Holy the Holy Spirit. That, that is what they are implying. It's not God the Father, and it's not God the Son, therefore it's the Holy Spirit. Others continue to tra this, translate this as the one, okay? They don't translate it masculine. They, they just say the one who is restraining. Or they may say he, not capitalized, okay? Or some say that which, that person, and so on. Each translation is based on a best guess of the nature of this restrainer. But Paul uses the masculine here for a reason. And so it is not appropriate to continue to translate it in the neuter, saying that which or anything like that, which some translations do. Further, this cannot be a person in the regular sense. It could be a person if it's Jesus, but it cannot be a person like you or me or any of us. Why? Because it's been 2,000 years. Right. So it can't be a person unless it's, what's the guy, the Gilgamesh, or the one, the, the story in the, uh, the Twilight Zone, the guy that pierced Jesus' side and he kept living forever, okay? Yeah, he, he just, anyway, it was just, maybe it's him. Probably not, though. That was Twilight Zone. Anyway, um, it's not a person in a regular sense because it's been going on for 2,000 years, and people don't live 2,000 years, okay? Um, uh, so um, where is that? Where was I? Um, the restraining has gone on for millennia. It is also not something belonging to the lawlessness. To be restrained is an external force, not an internal one. The lawlessness is not checking himself. This is something checking the lawlessness. Therefore... It appears that the New King James Version is correct in their translation. This is God. Now, somebody asked a while ago, is it an angel? Well, I wouldn't think so because first it said it first in the neuter and then it goes to the masculine. And there are several other reasons I thought of after that person asked me. I don't remember the exact answer I gave him, but I do not believe that it is an angel. It is... Uh, God the Spirit. There's no doubt about it, okay? However, and more specifically, it is the restraining power of the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. One analysis is that the restrainer is the church itself, but as the word is masculine, it is more appropriately the one who is intimately identified with the true church, okay? And how do we know if they're the true church? The Lord knows because he has sealed them with his spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. So we know that. It doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't matter that uh, you could say it's the church, but it's the Holy Spirit that identifies the church. 
And the church can't restrain anything. We can't restrain people from coming in here and, you know, whatever. So, uh, once again, I'm making a defense that I believe that it is the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is given to all who believe in Christ. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. As this is so, the church is involved in the restraining process, but it is the Holy Spirit who is the one who actively restrains the lawlessness. And he will do so, as Paul says, until he is taken out of the way. Now, when I say that the church is involved in the process, what did Billy Graham do? He went all over the world. He evangelized people all over the world. And there were revivals. There were people that turned away from wickedness. Governments were changed, right? Regardless of what you think about Billy Graham, he had an effect on the world. Okay, and there are people that have done this throughout history. This government is about to fall apart, and all of a sudden the people turn to the Lord. So the church does have its role, but the church is not the restrainer because the wickedness is all over, and it could be anybody at any time. Okay, so uh, the church is involved in the process. What this means is that there is a time when the Holy Spirit's restraining influence will no longer be effected. Okay. A releasing of the restraint will come about, and then only will the lawlessness be revealed, or the lawless one be revealed. What is certain, then, is that if the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, anybody? If the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way? The church would not be Well, yes, but the church must go. Okay? Now, before we go on, I, I don't think I'm going to address this in the rest of this commentary. Is... The Holy Spirit God. Yes. Yeah. Is God omnipresent? Yes. That means everywhere, all at once. Okay. So when it says that the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, I always get this question, and it's a good question, but think it through. The Holy Spirit doesn't really leave. He's everywhere at all times, but he has a special presence in each person. And to get that, to understand that, so you understand that when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, the Holy Spirit is still there. What it's talking about is the presence in the believer. Now, that is a guarantee of our salvation. Amen. It, that, he uses that word. It's a guarantee, right? Okay. If he takes out the spirit, that special presence, and does not take his people, then God failed. Mm -hmm. The Bible is wrong in how it presents this. That is not going to happen. That means that the restrainer, when he leaves, before the introduction of the Antichrist, the church must be gone. Must be. Okay? And that is before the day of the Lord, as we saw in verses 1 and 2. And so it must be that we will never see the tribulation period, and more, we will never know the Antichrist. And that'll be explained further, uh, probably, I think, in the next verse. Um, anyway, yes, the next verse it's going to. Okay. Now, having said that, the church is out of here. The Holy Spirit is still everywhere at all time. And I had a point that just left my... Could they still come to Christ after? Well, yes, people can still believe and be saved. They're not going to go out at the rapture. They're no, going to have to go through God. the tribulation period. Um, uh, God's grace does not end at the rapture, okay? People will still be able to be saved. Um, I had another point, though, that I was going to make about the Holy Spirit being taken out. Um, uh, I'll think of it tonight at 2 o'clock. doesn't matter. Anyway. He is omnipresent. Uh, he is omnipresent. Yeah, well, no, I've already said that, that um, even though he, oh, oh yeah, thank you. Here's, here's the point that I wanted to give about that to help you understand this. If you don't get that the Holy Spirit is everywhere and yet he can be taken out in a certain way, where was God's presence most 
identified in the Old Testament? In the Holy of Holies, specifically where? Above the mercy seat between the cherubim. This is where I will dwell. It's God everywhere. Yes. He's behind Pluto. He's out of Alpha Centauri. He is everywhere, always, all at once. Okay? But he had a special presence there. And he removed it, didn't he? In the book of Ezekiel, it says in I think chapter nine, he departed, he went here, and out he went. Okay. Very sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's mournful to read that. But his special presence dwelling with Israel no longer dwelt with Israel. God's still everywhere. That is a good example for you to get that because God is never going to leave. The Holy Spirit is always going to be on the planet. But that special presence in the believer, which is a deposit, a guarantee, will be taken out, which means the believers must be taken out. The Bible is not going to fail us. You go over to Ezekiel 43 and he comes back. He comes back. Glory. That's right. He comes. His special presence comes back again. That's exactly right. So uh, the special presence of the Lord does not mean that God isn't everywhere at all times. It means that I am revealing myself in a particular place in human history to show that I approve of this place. And when his approval left, out he went. Okay? The same thing is true with us. When his approval of how things are in this world, he says, I am out of here in my special presence, it means that the people of the church that are true believers are going to be out of here. No non-believer in the church will be going. Only true believers. You know what? I keep hearing this song. Somehow these uh, Philippine uh, music comes on every morning after I type my commentary. I listen to Daniel, and I have the uh, two commentaries from Joey running, um, the uh, one that scroll up. Okay, I got all three of those going. And when that's done, one of the three browsers, I don't remember which one it is, automatically goes to YouTube and it keeps playing these Philippine songs, which are Christian songs. And it's great music, so I just let it run because it's not like having American music where I hear the words and it distracts me. It doesn't. But there are a couple songs they sing in English and one of them is, I will worship you in spirit and in truth. Right? What does that mean? What does it mean to worship in truth? Well, most specifically, it means that the people in Israel, we'll give them as an example, went down and sacrificed to the Lord, right? Some of them did it faithfully. I'm doing this because the Lord, I love the Lord, and I'm asking for atonement for my sins. And some of the people just went down there as show. They didn't believe anything. Do you see the difference between truth? I'm worshiping in truth. I'm not. That's it. So when we worship in truth, it means that we have to believe. When Jesus said, these people will worship in spirit and truth, it means that we are true believers. So the people that are in the church that are not worshiping in spirit, meaning in communion with the Lord and in truth, never believed anyway. So it, it, it simply means that God already knows that we are saved. When we are worshiping God as saved believers, we are worshiping in truth. Now, we can at times not worship the Lord in truth. I come in here in a bad mood on Sunday morning, and I'm just like grumpy, and I'm not listening to the sermon, and I couldn't care about the world. You're not really worshiping in truth. And so that's why we have, before we take the Lord's Supper every week, a time to pray and to say, I am not right with you right now. I'm angry. I'm upset. I understand that. I'm sinning against you with my heart, and I want to be clean before I come up there and accept this. That's why we do that, right? But... The Lord knows who are his. Now, you had something. Isaiah 1, he 
That's right. That's right. Your your sacrifices are a offense to me, and that I'm not going to listen. That's exactly right. They were not worshiping in truth, and because of that, he didn't want any part of them. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay, so. Um, uh, did I read this? What that means is the Holy Spirit's restraining influence will no longer be effected. A releasing of the restraint will come about, and then only will the lawless one be revealed. What is certain then, and I think I read this, but that's okay, is that if the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, the church must be taken out of the way. Yes, I did, because you answered that. If the effect of the Holy Spirit is to end, and the church were to remain then the guarantee of the sealing of the Spirit, which Paul notes in Ephesians 1.14, would not be a sound guarantee at all. We would be left abandoned. This is completely contrary to the nature of God and his word. Thus, this taking out of the way, Paul's words, out of the way of the Holy Spirit is simultaneous with the taking away of the church at the rapture. Both occur, and only then will the mystery of lawlessness, and thus the Antichrist, be revealed. Everybody got it now? Day of the Lord will not happen until this happens. He is not going to be revealed until the church is taken out of the way. Everything has its... Now you throw in Matthew 24, you're going to come up with wrong doctrine, and you are going to think that you're going to be here halfway through the tribulation period. You're going to think that you are pre-wrath or mid-trib or whatever you want to call it, and that is incorrect. Paul has given us the timeline. It cannot be changed. Paul introduced the rapture. He details the rapture. He gives the events that will lead up to the rapture. It is Paul that gave us this. What Jesus said is not directed to the church. I'm sorry for people that believe that because they're in bondage. It's like believing that you can lose your salvation. You're in bondage. Okay? I'm surprised him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thus, this taking out of the way of the Holy Spirit is simultaneous with the taking away of the church at the rapture, both will occur, then the mystery of lawlessness and the Antichrist will be revealed. Okay, this will be stated explicitly in verse 8. Now, once again, maybe next week, verse 8, I will take you through that and we'll put it on the board. I need to try to remember to do that on a piece of paper first. I hope I remember to do that. It'll just make it easier and it won't fumble all over the place. Life application, are you a believer in Christ? If so, you are sealed with the Spirit. There is a time when the Spirit will be taken out of the way, but God will never leave nor forsake his people. Thus, the rapture is implied in today's verse, and it is a moment prior to the revealing of the Antichrist and the seven years of tribulation on earth. Why would you look to determine who the Antichrist is? He is a part of a mystery not yet revealed. Rather, look for Christ, our hope, and our glory. You mentioned Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. Barbara Walters, you probably don't remember. I remember her. She interviewed him. Huh? And she said, do you think on your tombstone you're going to, or when you meet the Lord, you're going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? And he said no. Huh. And turned away. And that's where the interview ended. Huh. But uh, what you said about him, if you know, going and preaching to more people and everything, he still didn't think he did enough. Absolutely. Anybody that thinks he's done enough for Paul. Jesus hasn't done enough for Jesus. I got to tell you the same that. Way. Paul was yeah. like, I haven't done enough. I, I don't know what am I doing? Yeah. It's like, you know, so Absolutely. You know. Yeah. That's us. We're humans. Yep. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the chance to come into your presence and to share in your word.
Thank you for the people that we recognized a moment ago, and I don't know if the doctor and Mabel are going to stick around for pizza or not, but uh, we certainly want to uh, thank you for another year added on to his already lengthy years. And uh, Lord, we look for a little bit of fellowship with uh, our friends visiting from Asheville, and uh, thank you that uh, Don and Jody made it here tonight as well, so we have a little bit of pizza from our friends, and we appreciate them, and we ask that you give them a double blessing on their head this week. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let me back this baby up here. Yeah, she came in. She, she made it in, in today. She wasn't mocked, though. That's